Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. This is Terry Wickstrom on this beautiful Colorado day. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about today, and we're going to jam a lot in because we only have an hour today. We have an abbreviated show because of the NFL draft. We'll be, uh, we'll be leaving early. We'll only be on from 9 to 10, but we're going to get a lot of stuff on. We're going to just a second go to Nate Zielinski. We'll have Ronnie Castellonio finish the show at the end of the hour. We'll take you to... Uh, Arkansas Headwaters, and we're going to get an update on the uh, uh, and the uh, aquatic nuisance species inspections during the show, too. So we have got a lot of ground to cover, so let's go right to the phones. And joining us, you know, you, you're on all winter at 9 o'clock anyway, Nate, so this is just like kind of going back a couple months. It's, it's like my time, you know what I mean? You know, you know we always talk about it. I would always preach to have a 5 a.m. show on I'm an early riser. My day starts well before the sun, and uh, I feel like everybody else should start then, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, you know, the problem, Nate, is that the sponsors wouldn't get anybody listening at 5 o'clock in the morning. I don't know. My phone rings quite a bit at 5 a.m., Terry. There's a lot yeah. of people heading out to the water, Dave. Right, and they're either, Who knows? They're, they're, they're either there. there already. <laughs> All right. So what's going on? I mean, obviously we... Today's an anomaly. We've got to ignore this. It's going to change the conditions for a few days. We want to talk more in general about where we're at. I know we're, we're transitioning, for, doesn't seem like it, from spring to summer, but the water isn't going to cool off that much with this. We'll be back up in the warmer temperatures in a week, so kind of bring us up to speed. Absolutely, Terry. I mean, it, it is a typical spring, and this is what happened. You know, we kind of talked about this uh, you know, through the course of the week. I did a couple of videos uh, that we launched. You know, Bass Pro actually shared one. And there's a lot of things going on right now, and it's that time of year where we actually had to cancel a walleye term today. Um, this is actually the second one we've had to cancel on the same date. So literally two years apart now, we have had massive snowstorms during the Chatfield Walleye Insanity event. So it's uh, it's just one of those deals. It's just kind of kind of spring storms. You have to go with the flow. And obviously, you know, everybody gets excited for uh, the warm temps and it gets warm. And I think we always kind of know this is coming. Um, I feel like it's any time that I get a new boat, I feel like it snows a lot. So it, I really felt it was coming on my end because it happens every single year when I get a new boat delivered. Uh, we tend to get a massive snowstorm. So well, regardless, I, I think what we wanted to talk about today was, was to really talk about transitions of water walleye fishing and i wanted to talk about the the struggles that go with that i think a lot of people now are, are coming off of those spring patterns I mean, there's still a tremendous night bite in all of our reservoirs for post-spawn fish but we have enough fish well along with post-spawn to where they're actually getting into their summer pattern um and as they get into their summer patterns, we start to see those fish pulling up on structure. We start to see the live bait rigs working. We start to see the jigs working. The very traditional style walleye fishing, uh, generally speaking, that's going to be in shallow water on structure. And, you know, you can take it as shallow as three, four feet of water, as shallow as, uh, you know, 12 to 16 feet of water. As long as you have a contour change dropping off to deeper water, we generally look for uh, about a 10 to 15 foot contour change to really pull those fish on. But, Days like today, so we had. Let's say the last couple of days we had these fish up on that shallow structure. They're in that shallow area. You're catching jigs, catching them on live bait rigs. Then you get a cold front come through, and a lot of times those fish are going to get pulled off into that deeper water. And a lot of guys really struggle with that that concept. And what I really am preaching to people this time of year, when you go to the lake, whether it's Boyd or Chatfield, Cherry Creek or Pueblo, I'm really putting a focus on the contour that has 
semi-shallow water so I can fish the structure and the shallow contour, but also having very close access to deep water. Um, and I, I'm looking for deep water, 30, 40, 50 feet. Um, the reason I like these severe contours is it offers the best of both worlds. So I can go out on one day, catch them in 10 feet of water on jigs and light bait rigs and shallow. Then I get a cold front like this, and all those fish do is move 100 feet into that deeper water. And a lot of times I can fish the same presentations. They're hitting the same colors. Um, I just have to do it in deeper water. So instead of having extreme shallow and extreme deep and having patterns for both, I try to find a nice contour where when those fish do move, they don't move that far, and I'm able to go out on a daily basis and stay on top of my fish and catch those fish instead of building a pattern way out in deep and building a pattern way in the back of coves where those fish are going to migrate further. So try to find an area that's a little tighter that offers the best of both worlds, and it's going to benefit you, the angler, because you're not going to have to look as far for these fish when these fronts do come through, whether it's a big snowstorm like today or a little bit of a rainstorm. There's a lot of things that change it. Uh, and while we're in that transition from spring to summer, uh, finding those, those right contour changes is going to be key. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it even a step further in my experience and what you said. I think you've, you've hit on something that, that we probably don't cover enough here when we talk about the day-to-day conditions. And as people travel around, and I can know this from fishing both professional walleye and bass tournaments and touring with some of the best fishermen in the world, when I'd go to a strange lake, spring through late summer, I would say, I always looked for flats with deep water access as a starting point. That and dams, because you knew the dams would hold something. And the reason for it, it was exactly what you said. If there was some some shelter of the the comfort of deep water close by, almost always if there was any bait fish in that lake, they would come up in those flats. And at times you'd get those fish transitioning. Once they start, you know, get done with the spawn and you go through, you know, in some river systems, they might migrate miles for that. But in lakes like we have and on typical big lakes, but the only time I stop looking for the flats as much and going to more steep drop offs is when we get towards the fall when the bait fish are suspended. No, absolutely. And I mean, the, the bait's a, a huge part of that. There's no doubt about it to, to know what that bait's doing. And, you know, the bait travels, I mean, the bait affects everything. And, you know, obviously, if you if you listen to us, if you ever go on a guide trip or tight line, you hear us stress the importance of the bait. But exactly, I mean, following those contour walls and, I mean, really just trying to, trying to stay on top of it. And the bait gets affected more by the, the temperature change, the storms, the pressure, more than anything. And that's generally what dictates where the fish go. Uh, a walleye, per se, even a bat a pike, a trout, whatever predator fish you're targeting, they can withstand the the storm fronts or the pressure changes far more than the bait, but really the bait dictates more than likely where those fish are going to be because regardless of the t- temperature change, the fish are still especially in that post spawn state. They very rarely want to miss a meal on these type of days. And now that our water's in the 50-degree mark, like you said, Terry, even though you can have 30 degrees out, you know, once you get down four or five feet in the water column, they don't feel that effect. They feel the effect from the pressure, but not necessarily the temperature change. You you made a comment that we've got a lot of uh, walleyes, probably the majority of them, in post-spawn already. And, you know, we hit this, got through with the spawn. It was stretched out, but it happened kind of early. What's the situation with the bait? Are we seeing the bait start to move up, or are they still still kind of in their, their deeper holes? Absolutely. We're seeing it on both counts. So, I mean, if you walk through the, the situation, so we'll start at Pueblo Reservoir. We're a little warmer in temp down there. Obviously, Pueblo's just usually slightly warmer. Um, we're definitely seeing those those fish on the, the traditional summer flats. Now, storms like this come through, and it pulls them off again, talking about the transitions that we're seeing. But I would say that you have a, a very solid 
summer pattern bite taking place in 10 to 14 feet of water at Pueblo right now. So that's, uh, that's going to be structure points, uh, edges of flats, um, you know, points are probably my like, premium key, but old roadbeds, um, you know, even like Middle Island, all that type of stuff that you can find that, that 10 to 14 feet, you're going to find those fish in that traditional summer pattern. And those bait fish are definitely coming up that shallow through the course of the day. Um, Cherry Creek is probably as far as one of the, the front range lakes is still, those fish are still kind of pulling somewhat deep. Um, spent a lot of time there last weekend. Uh, we had a lot of fish. The shallowest fish we caught was in about eight feet of water. Had a lot of fish sitting in that 14 to 16 feet of water, but we still had a lot of bait in that deeper water and, and really presenting that deep water bait. Um, so Cherry Creek's kind of the, the slower of them. And then Chatfield, same thing. We're catching a lot of fish right now in five to eight feet of water. Uh, we're catching a lot of fish in 14 to 16 feet of water. Um, and there's also a deep water bait uh, that's also holding those fish in that. And those are going to be your, your more recently spawned out fish. As to where your later fish, that they're your fish that spawned first, or so your late post-spawn fish, are those ones up in real shallow water. But we're definitely seeing the shad and chat field coming all the way shallow through the course of the day. Uh, and luckily, you know, we haven't had that much runoff yet. We've had a lot of temps, but we've been somewhat drier on the front range. So... We haven't had a big burst of cold water or muddy water uh, really coming into the lake to change things up right now. So it's been a very consistent spring at Chatfield, regardless of these temperatures, uh, just because Chatfield usually gets those bigger swings from the, the push of the South Platte, and we have not had those big pushes changing things. So it's really allowed these fish to be shallower than normal uh, this time of year. Hey, we're going we're gonna to have to shorten things up today because we've got to cram a lot in. So give me a quick update on what's going on in your mountain reservoirs, your pike and trout bites, and then let people know where they can find out more about your tournaments and your guide trips. Absolutely. You know, the, the mountain lakes, I was actually at Spinning Mountain Reservoir yesterday. We have the fish in transition. I understand that we are 95% done with the trout spawn. Uh, so we have got a lot of fish in that transition. They, they come from that super shallow in the, in the spawn and they slide out and kind of suspend in that deeper water, recuperate, and they move on to their summer patterns. We're a week away from those summer patterns kind of starting. So we have kind of a week of that transition. Then we'll see those fish coming back to that mid range where they're going to be very catchable. The pike right now are just wrapping up their spawn. So most of the fish are in, in still in spawn mode. We have some post-spawn fish, uh, same thing, a week away from that bite just taking off. Uh, we have a night tournament next weekend at Chatfield. Really excited about that, 4 p.m. to midnight. Uh, should be a ball. You can go to Tightline Outdoors to register. Also, next Saturday morning, we'll be at Bar Lake for their annual spring fishing clinic. We'll have the boat. We'll have tackle, a lot of seminars. So you can go to our Facebook page to learn about that, but kind of mark that on the calendar. we got Bar Lake in the morning, got the night tournament in the afternoon, and you can find everything at tightlineoutdoors.com. Before you go, i got to mention Bar Lake. Um, we had Michelle on last week, and a, a few months ago, last year, I wrote a, one of my Denver Post columns. Nate, because people can't run their big motors there, it's 10 horsepower or less, but if you don't have a kicker, you can put your big boat with electric, but you can kayak, you can small boat fish. That is an incredibly underutilized fishery. In fact, J.R. from Colorado Clays was showing me pictures, and he told me that you and I can't have the waypoints. But <laughs> but that is an incredible fishery. For people to come out, listen to your clinics, they can go apply that knowledge right that day. It's absolutely incredible. The walleye fishing, the wiper fishing, the largemouth bass fishing, the trout, the catfish, it's, it's literally an unbelievable reservoir. And if you get kind of fed up with all the weekend traffic, the jet skis, the, the skiing, all that kind of stuff. We all share one body of water. If you want to avoid that, Bar Lake is the ultimate weekend destination because you don't have any of that other recreation disturbing the water. It's very at peace. And I'll tell you what, the fishing is absolutely phenomenal at Bar Lake. All right, Nate, we got to let you go. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you at your regular we'll time next week. All right, Nate Zelinski, as always, great. 
Um, remember, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by the great folks at Sun Motorsports, Sun Power Sports, America, America's, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. We're going to get to the phones here in just a second, but I want to remind you that next week we bring back the Ask the Expert question. Send in a question, anything outdoors, hunting, fishing, camping, anything outdoors, and if we choose to answer it on the air, you get a $25 gift card from Sportsman's Warehouse just for sending it in. All right? For more information, go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. You'll see a post on how to send it in. What you do is you send them to the email, terrywickstromoutdoors at gmail. But all the information's on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors at Facebook. Let's go right to the phones now. And joining us from the Arkansas Headwaters Park is Glenn Catoni. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning. How are you doing today? How's the weather down there? Well, it snowed a little bit last night, and uh, we've got a little bit of light snow still this morning. You guys usually end up getting a little warmer than we do, so I'll bet it's going to clear up pretty fast down there. I I understand you have a guest with you? Yes, I've got uh, Stuart Andrews. He's the head guide from Arc Anglers, and actually we're at the Arc Anglers shop right now doing this because Stuart has a, a fly fishing trip right after we're done. That sounds pretty awesome. We'll get to the fishing in a minute, Glenn. Let's talk a little bit. Tell people, if they're new to the area, the Arkansas Headwaters Park, there's two or three parks like this in Colorado where you kind of spread along the river. It's different than where you go to the normal park location. Kind of describe the park and the amenities for people. Yeah, the Arkansas Headwaters uh, Recreation Area is a long, skinny park. It's all along the Arkansas River from Leadville down to Lake Pueblo. So we've got about 150 miles of river that we have a lot of different recreation sites and campgrounds along the river. So you can camp, fish, sightsee. We've got all kinds of stuff. And the elevation ranges from about 5,000 feet of Lake Pueblo to almost 10,000 feet in Leadville. And along those areas, you have lots of camping and places for recreation, lots of public access, don't you? Yeah, tons of public access to the river. We've got eight different campgrounds with uh, over 120 different campsites and we also have uh, free dispersed camping along sections of the river also and right now um, we're probably pre where they kind of let the runoff but i understand they control it a little more can you give us kind of a look into the next few weeks of what you think the runoff conditions are going to be and what the both rafting for fishermen and recreation will be like yeah, we've got a good snowpack, and, of course, the snow last night helped. Uh, it's probably going to be a little bit above average. And uh, once the once the melt starts coming down in, in late May, early June, uh, the water's going to come up. It's going to be a great level for rafting. It's probably gonna, not going to get too high, but it'll be a real good level. And with the flow control program, we should have good raftable water flows into the middle of August. That sounds awesome. So, And that is for both pleasure rafting and for uh, float trip fishing trips, right? Yes. We've got lots of different sections on the river. There's a great section for float fishing and great sections for whitewater rafting. And I forgot your guide's name. Uh, Stuart. Stuart. Stuart, this is Terry. Um, how has the fishing been to date? And, you know, there's a famous hatch there that 
everybody thinks happens at Mother's Day that usually starts earlier. Can you tell us how the current fishing is and bring folks up to date on that hatch? I certainly can. Thanks, Terry. Um, what we're seeing in 2009, the Cavus hatch changed over about a 45-mile reach of river that is pertinent to that Mother's Day legend. And what it's become is a much more fishable hatch. It used to be like an animal planted event with trillions of insects coming off the water, which didn't necessarily make for great fishing. Um, because of some issues with the water, in 2009, the hatch has diminished, but other insects like blueing olive mayflies have filled that niche. And so we have much more diverse ecosystem with a lot more and different, in my opinion, better fly fishing opportunities in the spring than we ever had during the caddis hatch. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And you you really hit it on the head when you said, you know, people used to go there and it was like a snowstorm. And I'll tell you, any fisherman, whether you're a fly fisherman or a lure fisherman or a bait fisherman, anytime you have to compete with that much food, it makes your chances worse. And we used to tell people either fish in front of the hatch or even better behind it because they're more conditioned. But having a diversity and the fish being a little more opportunistic really opens up a lot different approaches to for the for the angler it really does on my trip yesterday afternoon my guest threw double drives um a caddis drive trailing a blueing olive mayfly drive for all afternoon and with this overcast the trout were in very shallow edge water we had a field day it was a tremendous afternoon so what is the state of the fishery now? You know, we it's always been a brown trout fishery, but my understanding is the rainbows are starting to come back. We're getting more prolific. But we're also, after we went through some dry years, we had some bigger. The rainbows seem to get a little, I mean, the browns seem to get a little bigger. I don't know if that's maintained. What would you say the status of the fishery is right now? You know, I would say in this coming season, we're going to have a couple of gaps. We didn't have great recruitment in two seasons, but there are still dense numbers of brown trout in the river. You know, they're all wild. They haven't put a brown trout in this river in 60 years, so it's all natural wild fish. The rainbows, they tend to be the largest specimens you're going to find, and certainly from <clears throat> excuse me, Badger Creek all the way up to the town of Salida, there is a regulation where all the rainbows have to be returned to the water as they try to build a reproducing population. And do you look at the fishing right now? Is it, are you walk waiting? Are you drifting the river yet? And what do you see coming up as far as access? Will you be walk waiting, drifting over the next few weeks? At our current levels, both are very effective. We're holding right in that 400, 450 CFS range around Salida, and that provides good access for the float fishermen. We're seeing good activity from the boats with nymph rigs, dry droppers, and streamers. The walk wade side, accessibility is super. We're getting right to that, that point where if it gets much higher, getting back and forth across the river, is going to demand choosing your spot carefully and always having a waiting staff. But certainly what we'll see is as these hatches progress upstream, your focus will shift up towards Buena Vista and even further up towards the Highway 82, Highway 24 junction, what they call Aiden Meadows. So it sounds like you're going to have a pretty <laughs> typical season. And if it's anything like hey, the Arkansas normally is, it's just really great fishing, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's really, these days, it's just a matter of being willing to move around a little bit and find the places. The CADIS emergences we've had have been very dense, but very localized. Um, I was out on a trip the other day where my side of the stream had a, just a smattering of them, and the guy that crossed the river was in a cloud of bugs. Now, we're going to run out of time here, Stuart, but if people wanted more information or to book a trip, how do they get a hold of you guys at Arc Anglers? Easiest thing to do is just give us a call at 719-539-4223 or go to our website, arcanglers.com. All right, that sounds great. And, Glenn, last for you, um, I know you have an event or two coming up this year on the river that you want to make sure everybody's aware of because you put on a lot of great fun things there. Let's. What have you got going on? Uh, in uh, the third week of June, we have uh, the FIBART celebration, which stands for First in Boating on the Arkansas. It's a race that's been going on since 1949, and it's uh, four or five days of Races, uh, kayaking events, rafting events, bands in the park, bicycle races, lots of lots of different fun things. All right. Well, best thing for people to do is go to the website and check you guys out. You know, just Google Colorado State Parks, pick Arkansas Headwaters. It's one of my favorite fisheries. I definitely don't get down there enough, guys. But it's it's it adds it's got something for even the casual fly fisherman or the advanced technical fisherman. It offers something for both, and it's a it's an incredible river that has really great access and fishing year round. So thank you guys for joining us, and we'll get you on again soon to get updated. Keep updated. Thank you much. Thanks, Dave. You bet. That's the guys from the Arkansas Headwaters. A little bit of a connection issue there, but I'll tell you what: if you've never fished those Arkansas headwaters, you need to get up there. Get down there and try it. And right now, until the runoff really starts, you can still walk, wait it yourself. You can put your own drift boat in, of course. And even when the water gets high down there, um, it'll get muddy for a while, but it'll clear up even though they're letting the water run high. They have that control flow thing going to maintain the fishery. So it really stays pretty fishable except for a couple weeks all year long, and there's always ways. You know, when that water gets dirty, some big streamers will still catch those browns. We're going to take a timeout, and uh, we're going. And after that, we're going to be we're going to be joined by another. We're going to get an update on the um, invasive species inspection process and what's going on. So just remember that Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Honey Smokes Fish, Honey Smokes Salmon. The secret is in the fire. We're going right to the phone. Since we have an abbreviated show today at 10 o'clock, the fan is going to go to coverage of the NFL draft. So we are cramming all our favorite uh, people in as quickly as we can. And now another Parks and Wildlife segment joining us from the... Uh, uh, the inspection, the uh, ANS inspection program is uh, Robert Walters. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Terry. How are you today, sir? You know, I'm doing good, and you're probably not too crowded at the boat landings this morning. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny to be talking about opening boat ramps when I'm sitting here in a snowstorm south yeah. of Pueblo, but, but, but I'm you know, I'm ready. But you know what? Um, there'll be fishermen out today. There will yes, be, there because uh, the, somebody will find a way to catch them. Guys have got trips planned. But overall, I wanted to get updated. You and I talked during the week, and, you know, we've covered a lot of the uh, ANS inspections, and there was a lot of uh, concern 
over the last few weeks and months. So even going back to last year, because some funding went away, would we have enough uh, inspectors? Uh, there was worry about some waters being closed, restricted hours. There are some of that, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But I think overall, there's a pretty good story to tell that you've really been able to open up or are going to soon be opening up most waters. Is that right? That's absolutely correct, Terry. Last time I was on the line here with me, we were pretty uncertain as to what waters may or may not be open or be providing inspections. And I'm happy to say that we've pretty much got inspectors at all the waters that we had them in in previous years. So certainly a great position that we're in. It's a good success story, as you mentioned. Had a lot of contributions from our partners and support within our leadership in the Parks and Wildlife Commission. Uh, you know, we all think this is a really important program. So We've been able to scratch up some funding to get these people out on the ramps protecting our waters. Now, we're going to face this again next year, but that's a story for another time. We're going to be following that during the years. There's a bunch of things in play to make sure that doesn't happen. But right now, um, there were some lakes that people were, like Jumbo was one that was people were going, oh, if I lose Jumbo, it's one of, that's one of the better fisheries in the state. Let's update people on a few that are open that we might have been concerned about and maybe a few that are going to open. What is the status at Jumbo? Uh, the status of Jumbo as of the 24th, so last Monday I got inspectors out there on the ramp. Um, they are operating at a little bit of limited hours right now just because it was kind of short notice getting those folks out there. So they're out there 6 to 6, Friday through Monday, and then 7 to 5 during the week. We'll be switching over to pretty much standard hours out there at Jumbo on the 15th of May. Let me double-check that date. Yeah, the 15th of May we'll be going um, half hour before sunrise to half hour um, after sunset out there at Jumbo. So full operations here. Now, are there some other waters that um, we weren't sure were going to open up or that maybe we thought might have more restricted hours or ones that just aren't open yet that will be then you can bring us up to speed on? Yeah, absolutely. I've got a whole list of them that are opening up here right at the beginning of the month. So um, Crawford and Schweitzer, a couple waters out there on the west slope, we weren't sure we were going to be able to have inspectors at. Those are now fully um, ready to go with them. Inspectors, they'll be opening up on May 1st. Down in the southwest, we have uh, McPhee and Viacito. I spent the last couple days down in Cortez getting those inspectors trained up. So they'll be open as of the 1st. Um, Stagecoach up in Steamboat's also the 1st. And then getting a little later into the month, you know, our high mountain waters, we'll be getting those open in the next few weeks, including um, Clear Creek, Williams Fork, um, the waters on the Big Thompson Project, um, Granby Grand and Shadow Mountain, uh, Lake Dillon, and then Elkhead, Rampart, Turquoise, Twin, those real high mountain lakes that everybody loves to go fishing on. We'll also have inspectors out there keeping them protected from these species. So, again, Glad to be able to say we have people out there protecting these waters again this year. Very good. Now, in addition to, you know, the fact that most of these waters are going to be opening, um, there were a few, and I, we should mention, I think, uh, uh, over on the West Slope, Harvey Gap is one that's going to be just hand launch only. Is that right? Yeah, so Harvey Gap is going to have restrictions in terms of trailer and motorized boats this year. Uh, they are going to still allow hand-launched uh, non-motorized canoes, kayaks, rafts, belly boats, windsurf boards, sailboards, float tubes, inner tubes, and paddle boards this season. They're not going to have any inspectors or anything up there, but these boats are considered um, exempt from our inspection protocols, so they'll still be able to get those now, styles is, of boats on the water. Is there a website where people can go 
because um, there's still some. I mean, we, the, the issue is a lot better than we thought just a month or two ago. I mean, things are looking so much better because of such cooperative efforts and the effort that has been put in. But there are still going to be some restricted hours and a few waters that may not be available. If I need to find out for sure, is there a website or a place I can go to get current status of boat ramps? Yeah, absolutely there is, and we certainly recommend that the boaters do use this reference to have those most up-to-date hours. Uh, we hate to have somebody, you know, travel across the state to go to their favorite water, and then there's no one there to inspect their boat. So we do keep up a list on the Parks and Wildlife boating page. If you go onto that boating page, there's a link there that um, will get you right to the most current um, inspection hours at all your favorite waters, so you know when they're available to launch. Well, I want to touch on, while well, we've still got a couple minutes left, too, the fact that I know it's caused some discern among the outdoor public, the inspection process, and the, I would say the, it's been, it's become more alarming because states around us are more and more showing signs of, uh, muscles infections, Lake Powell, places like that. And it's made the water users and the water providers in our state a much more aware and I've seen states, I was just out in California, and there's a number of states there that they've totally said they're just not letting boats on. We don't want to get to that point in Colorado. And I know that we're pretty much clean in the state, but you've been able to intercept a number of boats coming into the state with the current program. Yes, we have. And I mean, we are completely free of the Z-Bird and Quagga muscle here in the state of Colorado, and we fully attribute that to our boat inspection program. We're in a great position where... As you stated, many of the states around us, I mean, it's unfortunate to say, but I get emails, you know, every week telling me of new waters that are coming up in the states around us that are positive for mussels. You mentioned Lake Powell, places like Lake Havasu, Pleasant, Mojave, Lake Mead, Apache Canyon, and Saguaro down in Arizona, Lewis and Clark out to our east. A couple waters came up positive in Montana last year. And again, we're in the opposite direction where we have none of these species here in Colorado. Of course, this makes our job harder because we see boats coming out of these states all the time that have mussels on them and they're heading into Colorado. So we have intercepted five boats already this year coming into the state that did have um, adult mussels attached to them. Um, of course, these have got into our waters. We would be in a similar situation to those around us. So we had boats come in at Lake Pueblo State Park, Chatfield State Park, Ridgeway, North Sterling, and then we just had one down in the southwest corner of the state um, last week that we intercepted. That's a houseboat that just has thousands of mussels on that thing that came off of Lake Powell. If it wasn't for our inspectors out there on the boat ramp, again, these would be in our waters. And, of course, this would be greatly impactful to us as a resource agency, but also to the recreationists as their, their, their opportunities to use these waters would be greatly impacted. So, Well, I think the last comment I want to make, because we're running out of time here, is yeah, that sure. I, I know that some boaters find it a little bit of an annoyance they have to go through these inspections. And I know we're struggling for funding and, and we're watching it. But it's it's the fact that the water providers have such faith that we're doing a good job that's allowing us to keep waters open for recreation. And we just need to make sure people stay behind the program and help support it so that we don't lose recreational waters. 
Absolutely. You know, it's part of our mission to provide these sustainable and enjoyable recreational opportunities to the public, but unfortunately things like zebra and quagga mussels threaten our ability to do that. So we're not out there trying to work against the boating public. We are trying to work with them to make sure that we still have these opportunities moving forward, and I think that's a great point. We appreciate everybody remaining on board with us, working with our inspectors, and certainly being honest with them as to what you're doing with your boat. If you take your boat out of state, that's where we have the biggest risk in terms of these species coming into the state of Colorado. So please let the inspectors know if you do that so we can continue to limit the potential for these species to impact our waters. Robert, give the website one more time where they can get updates. Uh, of course, that's cpw.state.co.us, and if you go through there and look for the boating page, then you can hop right on there, and you'll see a quick link to our inspection hours at all the stations across the state. All right. Thank you so much, and thanks for the work you're doing on this. Not a problem. Thank you, Terry. You bet. That's uh, Robert uh, from uh, Parks and Wildlife. You know, we're going to take a break here in a minute, but this programming, one of the sponsors that brings us this is the Honey Smoked Fish Company. And I want to tell you really quickly, I started saying this earlier in the show. We're packing everything in here today. I had some friends come over, so I went and got some. I had some, but I wanted to get some different flavors, honey smoked salmon. And I want to tell you a comment. We were just sitting out of my patio. We had a bottle of wine. We had the honey smoked salmon. Didn't make, usually I make something out of it. It's such an incredible ingredient, all right? But I was sitting out on the, sitting out on the patio, opened up this new, what was new to me, like a lemon pepper flavor. And it was just delicious. And the neighbor, he usually buys honey smoked salmon. He's been following my shows. He's my neighbor. He's eaten at my house several times. He said a couple weeks ago he bought a, a smoked salmon. He just wanted a small piece for himself. The kids weren't around or anything. So he bought what looked like a good buy because it was a smaller piece and a less price than a package of honey smoked salmon. Uh, he said it was awful. He said it was dry. He said it was like it was like jerky. He said he will never not buy honey smoked fish, honey smoked salmon again. You know, a package of honey smoked does cost more than those other packages. But if you look at it, you get like twice as much or three times as much. The cost per ounce is way lower. The reason they put so much in there is they have to. You're going to eat it so well. It's just unbelievable. It's such great stuff. So Honey Smoked Salmon from the Honey Smoked Fish Company help make this programming possible. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, Ronnie Castiglione is going to join us, and he's going to talk about how to choose a guide. Good thing to contemplate today. You might want to start making phone calls and plan that trip. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. So, you know, Dire Straits are my second favorite band next to the Eagles, and Ronnie's waiting on the line. Now he's going to have to wait, and we're packing everything into an hour. These guys are awesome. I just love to. If you want to get a little upbeat, get going. Easy to listen to these guys. We better go to Ronnie. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Enterprises, Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest motorcycle and ATV dealer. And good morning, Mr. Ronnie Castiglione. Mr. Terry Wickstrom, I think we uh, maybe we skipped summer and we went right back to winter outside. It's kind of weird, huh? Yeah, but it's Colorado in the spring. But you know what? Everywhere I've ever gone, everybody says, if you don't like the weather, wait a few minutes, it'll change. I've never been any place in the world, and I travel pretty extensively, as you know, that the people don't say that. Weather just, you know, has pretty much control of its own destiny, and we're at its mercy. But now there's a lot of people that were going to go fishing this weekend. They're sitting home. And they are thinking, you know, I've always wanted to take a guide trip to learn about this lake, or I want to go out and catch some fish 
in this body of water, whether it's right here in Colorado or traveling, and they're going to start looking at those guide trips. And you want to give them a few tips on maybe how to plan that trip properly. Yeah, Terry, you know, it's interesting when you talk to people. Um, at times, people that are just kind of getting into fishing, they maybe they they shun the idea of hiring a guide because maybe their maybe their friends or somebody you know kind of give them a business. Oh, you need somebody to teach you how to fish, that kind of a thing. But what you find is after people you know have gotten into fishing for a little while, then they open their minds, then they start to understand. Well, there's a whole bunch of different reasons why I might choose to hire a guide on any given day. Um, you know, and so once you understand those things, Terry, that's really gonna open your mind to the idea of getting a guided trip and understanding what you're going to get out of a guiding trip. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, some of the different reasons why people, you know, hire a guide and how they should go about choosing their guide, Terry. All right. Now, what the what are the main reasons people hire a guide? People, I think, think it's to catch fish, but a lot of times it's for education. Yeah, exactly. And definitely, you know, if you're talking about me or you're talking about us at Fishful Thinker, we are definitely educational-based guide service. Uh, most of our guide trips are really formulated around getting people out and teaching them a variety of presentations or really delving into one or two presentations really, really intensely so that they kind of master it. But that's definitely one of the reasons that people book with us. Now, certainly there's people that book on trips that are just all about maybe they're here to visit, maybe they're on vacation, they're coming to college. Colorado, they got a kid graduating, something like that, and it's just that they're looking to get out, have some fun, and just catch some fish, and they don't really care too much about learning a whole bunch of stuff. They just want to go out and get their, you know, their lines pulled, Terry. Um, you know, that's an important thing that when you're when you're thinking about booking a guide, and when you're initially, you know, making contact with somebody, you want to kind of communicate what you're looking to get out of your guide trip. If you're just looking for a fun day, you don't really care how you catch them, you just want your line pulled, let the person know that you're talking to, you know, let me know, let Dan go, or let any of the guys that you're speaking to around the state know what you're looking for and we'll get you out on the right day and we'll just kind of go out there and get you to, you know catch some fish it tends to be that most of my clients however tell me the exact opposite terry when, when they get on the boat they tell me that they don't really care about catching fish today they care about catch or learning a whole bunch of different ways to go about catching fish throughout the year those happen to be my favorite guide trips that i do terry um i'm a big fan of getting out there and having you know anywhere from 15 to 20 rods rigged with different presentations and rotating through all those different presentations on a given day. That way my clients can learn all those presentations. You know, and I'm I'm straightforward about, you know, there may only be two, three, maybe four of those 20 rods that we've got rigged that are actually going to produce fish today. But we'll spend time throughout the day going through all the different presentations, talking about when and where I might utilize this presentation, you know, what time of year on this particular body of water I might utilize this presentation. You know, understanding that, learning that, you know, I like the guys that show up on guide trips that, that bring a notebook, Terry. They bring a notebook. They bring a GPS with them. They mark waypoints. They take notes. They take pictures of the baits and the presentations that we're utilizing. Those are the clients that I feel really get the most out of the guide trips, and I think those are the ones that end up being more successful on their own angling when they come back fish the lakes by themselves, Terry. Yeah, we're running out of time, Ronnie, but I'm going to just piggyback on everything you said that, first of all, I think the success of a guide trip is almost always determined by the expectation that's set when you book the trip, both with with you and the guide, so they have the same expectation and you understand that it hasn't been oversold and they understand what you want. The other thing you mentioned I don't want to gloss over, that's the fact that you go to a guide 
and he's got equipment. You get to try out different pieces of equipment and that you might not, you couldn't spend money to try all that equipment, but you get to try and find things that you really like. And the third thing is traveling the world doing television shows. There's no way I could know the fisheries in all these places. The quickest way for me to learn these fisheries, even if it was just for the first day, was to hire a guide, Ronnie. Ronnie, we are out of time, but how do they find you if they want one of these trips? You can check us out on FishfulThinker.com. You can find us on FishfulThinker on Facebook. You can find me, Ronnie Castiglione, on Facebook. And just send us a message. Tell us you're interested in a trip, and we'll make contact with you, and we'll get you out on the lake. All right. Thanks, Ronnie. We will talk to you again in a couple weeks. Thanks, Terry. Have a good one. You bet. Ronnie Castiglione. We packed a lot in today to one hour. We, um, you know, we got the NFL draft coming up, and uh, I was hoping that the guys come up. I think Evans and Schlereth are coming up after me, but I'm not sure. Haven't seen them yet. So are they? Are they going? Are they in Stute? Huh? No idea. All right. Well, anyway, I wanted to talk to them because I really like the Broncos draft. I think that the Broncos lost last year in the trenches, the offensive and defensive line both. I think that they couldn't protect their playmakers and they couldn't run the ball and i think on the defensive side they couldn't stuff the line and stop stop the run so i think they've addressed both those areas may take those guys a while but i think they were good drafts for the long-term future of this franchise that's going to wrap it up for us today we'll be back next week with our full two hours and you're listening to terry wickstrom outdoors don't forget to follow us on facebook terry wickstrom outdoors on facebook and don't forget about the ask the expert get your questions in so you can win gift cards best way to do that is to go to um Terry Extreme Outdoors on Facebook. Scroll down. There's all the information. If we answer your question on the air, you get a $25 gift card from Bass Pro Shops. We'll see you right here next week on 104.3 The Fan.